0: Stand fast and hold the traditions, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught. So when we think about being standing fast and holding the traditions, 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. I want us... Take a couple of minutes and get ourselves familiar with a few of these words in this text. First of all, stand fast. It's the idea, if you, if you were to say this word, uh, pronounce the word in Greek, it would sound like stako. And the idea is just like you hear stake in there, putting a stake down, that's the idea. To stand firm, to persevere, to persist. So to stand firm, to persevere, to persist, to hold fast. I want you to so i found this interesting as well if you said this word krateo if you spelled it or transliterated it it would you would see the word you would almost see the word crate so you're putting it together you're putting something and holding it in a box if you will that's the idea of crate right so to stand fast and to hold the traditions krateo is to do not do not discard or let go it's the same idea that when it's describing death's hold on its victims. So the same hold that death has on its victims, that's the word used here. So stand fast and hold, but real quick, I want us to get in our minds that when we, when this word traditions is used, maybe when we hear this word traditions, we think of man-made traditions. We think of people teaching things well or 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 practices that they have, maybe how they how they celebrate certain holidays, or how they do this as a family, or how they do that. That's not the traditions that's being talked about here. Literally, the word just means that which is delivered, the substance of the teaching. So, an an, a a specific usage of this word, Matthew fifteen is kind of the exception to the rule, if you will. So in Matthew 15, you remember how Jesus said in Matthew 15, 9, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The commandments of men, remember how they had a Q, asked Jesus, why do your disciples transgress the commandments, or why do your dis- dis- disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? And Jesus said, I'll also ask you, why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? because you remember what they said, God had said, you must honor father and mother and he that does not honor father and mother shall die the death. They said, well, he that honor, that it was a gift by whatsoever they were to be profited by them. And they didn't honor father and mother. They had made their traditions more binding than the law of God. And by their traditions, they had violated the law of God. So those traditions that's the Jewish oral traditions that they were delivered had been delivered from generation to generation and they looked at those as this unbroken binding orally handed down tradition that came all the way back from Moses and that they must follow those that's how they viewed them but they weren't at all they were just their traditions. These traditions, stand fast and hold the traditions, this is the apostolic tradition. This is the teaching of the Word of God. This is inspiration. In other words, whenever Jesus said, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, John 16, 13. He was telling the apostles, the Spirit's going to come and guide you into all truth. Acts 2, 1 to 4, you and I read of the fulfillment of that promise. The Spirit came, and in and those apostles were filled with the Spirit and thus they were inspired and as we read on that occasion they preached the Word of God and that's exactly what Paul is telling the brethren here now he's saying stay fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught so the traditions of God the teachings of God the Apostolic traditions while we look at this, I want us to look at the, the passage in which our verse is found, 2 Thessalonians two thirteen to 17, notice the following. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and given us given us an everlasting consolation, hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So notice here the things that are emphasized about the scheme of redemption. Whenever we read any of the epistles, we're reading how the the inspired writers, the Holy Spirit told these men to write basically to answer the question, what must I do to remain saved? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us about the culmination of redemption. that the seed of woman, the seed of Abraham came and took on flesh, died for our sins and was resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the father. Acts tells us, well, the church has been established. What must I, and answers the question, what must I do to be saved? How do I appropriate the redemption made available in the Christ. Romans through Jude answers the question, what must I do to remain in that saved state? What must I do to continue in that saved state? What must I do to go from the day that I obey the gospel until the Lord returns or until I die? What must I do to go from point A to point B to be in heaven with Him in eternity? Just like... We read in 1 John 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. And in Romans 6, 4, that we walk in newness of life. It's that new walk, the what must I do to remain saved mindset. 2 Thessalonians is answering that same question. And part of the answer is here in verse 15. Brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. But notice what else is going on in this text, verses 13 to 17. He's reminding them, emphasizing, and encouraging them about the scheme of redemption. He's telling them that... God, we're, we're bound to give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you. So in other words, God cho- had chosen them from the very beginning, that they were sanctified by the Spirit, that they had believed the truth, that they were called by the gospel, that they had obtained glory. You think about all those things playing into exactly where they were at the moment they're reading this epistle from Paul thinking about and dwelling upon the scheme of redemption. And you and I would do well to think upon and, and dwell upon the scheme of redemption and the fact that God from before the foundation of the world decided that he would save us. And he still created us knowing that we would require being saved, knowing that we would need his help, knowing that it would cost what it cost. He still created us. You think about how Paul says it in Ephesians 3, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus. It's the eternal purpose of God. So he reminds them about being chosen, about being sanctified, about that they had believed the truth and that they were called. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by by our epistle. Very quickly this evening, I want us to think about a few things as we think about that idea of, of standing fast and holding the tradition. So stake, think about that idea. You're putting down a stake, you're going to be to persevere, to persist, to stand firm. And then krateo, as I said, you could when you if you were to transliterate it, you would see a portion, you would see the word crate inside this. We're holding this. Do not discard it or let it go. We're holding it. Stand fast and hold the teachings of the apostles, the teachings of God. Why? Well, because of the second coming. Look in chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, beginning in verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So stand fast and hold the traditions because of the second coming. The truth is the deciding factor in in our, Destiny, if you will, at the second coming, in our outcome in the second coming. Whenever the Lord returns, notice what happens. He says, to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, verse eight, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice how in verse 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints to be admired in all them that believe, skipping the parentheses for just a moment, in that day, to be admired of all them that believe in that day because our testimony among you was believed. The truth is the deciding factor, man's response to the truth will be the deciding factor at the second coming. You think about how even in Acts 17, where you read about the gospel going to Thessalonica, well-known verse, Acts 17, 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind and searched the scripture daily, whether those things were so. You remember how the Jewish synagogue in Berea, the Jews there, <coughs> they were the ones being described as more noble than the Jews in Thessalonica, because you remember Thessalonica ran Paul out of town. Thessalonica was not happy that he was there as a general rule. The Jews were ready for him to leave and they, (coughs) but Berea received him more. Of course, there were some that obeyed the gospel, as we know, thus the letter to the Thessalonians. And you read about that there in Acts 17, about how there were quite a few Greeks that obeyed the gospel. But here, how we respond to the gospel is so very important. It's the deciding factor. Acts 17 11, Acts 2 41, therefore they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They gladly received his word. Not everyone on the day of Pentecost were baptized, many were not. They didn't receive the word gladly. James 1 21, if we receive with meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. We have to receive it with meekness. So standing fast and holding the traditions because of the second coming, you think about how 1 Thessalonians, every chapter in the book has reference to the second coming. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 to 20. 1 Thessalonians 3, uh, 12 and following. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 17. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2. Every one of the chapters refers to the second coming. We're to stand fast and hold the traditions because of the second coming. I want you to think about how little people... You, you know, as well as I do, how... people look at the idea of withdrawing fellowship as taught in 2 Thessalonians 3, as taught in Matthew 18, 15 to 17. You know that people like to ignore it. People like to let it go by the wayside or they like to take it to the nth degree and practice. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Excommunication, that's the word I'm looking for. Not a biblical teaching, obviously. But it's interesting that in Second Thessalonians, and striking, really, when you think about it, that Paul, in chapter one, reminds them it's going to be a great division at the last day. It's going to be between the saved and the lost. It's going to be based on people's response to the truth. It's going to mean heaven or hell. It's going to be the final dividing line and it will last forever. In the same book where he starts off in chapter one saying that having spent each chapter in first Thessalonians talking about the second coming, that in the second Thessalonians, in chapter one, he says this. And in chapter three, he tells them to withdraw from the disorderly making a distinctive defining line between those who are following the truth and those who are not so he told them to stand fast and hold their traditions because of the second coming but also he told them to stand fast and hold the traditions because of apostasy because of a specific coming apostasy but you and i have the lesson from from regardless of a specific instance or just any apostasy any error any sin and error creeping into our lives (coughs) if you look in chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 he says now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our lord jesus christ and by our gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of christ is at hand Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there coming falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Taking us all the way up to our text from the, this evening. <clears throat> so I want you to think about, he's telling them to stand fast and hold the traditions, the apostolic traditions, the teaching of God because of the second coming, because of apostasy, in other words, because of sin and error. Here we notice, I want you to notice his wording in verses one and two, chapter two, verses one and two. He says, we beseech you brethren by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him that you be not soon shaken in mind. That you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled. This idea of be not soon shaken in mind, it's a motion produced by winds, by storms, by waves. Same word. It's a motion produced by winds, storms, or waves. He's saying, don't be moved. Don't be shaken. Don't be. Don't allow this to disturb or upset or unsettle you. Don't allow it to overthrow you in any way whatsoever. Don't let your mind be troubled by this. Again, the deciding factor here is the truth and error. What's our response to the teaching of God? He warns them of a coming apostasy. He tells them that there's going to be this individual revealed who's going to basically exalt himself to be as God. He warns them that he's coming, and he warns them of the deceitfulness of this apostasy. I want you to notice our effort this evening is not to answer the question of who is the man of sin. I have my opinions on that, but I'm going to just leave that as what it is for now. But regardless of who the what the answer to the question is of who is this man of sin, the point is this. They were going to face error. They were going to face an apostasy. They were going to face something that could have shaken them from following the truth if they allowed it, if they were not standing fast, if they were not holding the traditions if they were not staking down and holding in that crate if you will the things that they needed to stake down and hold they could have been steered off to the wrong pathway they could have been diverted to the wrong end so again the differentiating factor the deciding factor is truth and error now, notice the identity of the damned in verses 10 through 12. This is very important. He, he, he tells them verses 1 and 2, don't be soon shaken in mind and then look at verses 10 to 12. He says this, and with all, talking about this coming evil, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I want us to, that's a lot to take in in those three verses. I think when we kind of just, you know, go through there like that. And I want us to stop and take a moment, a brief moment to look at a few of these things. And I would encourage you to take more time and look at them yourself after we've, had this opportunity, the opportunity to this evening. First of all, look at that phrase, deceivableness of unrighteousness. What's that mean? Deceivableness of unrighteousness. That idea of deceivableness, you could translate this word deceitfulness. Unrighteousness is very deceitful. It has a great ability to deceive. This word is found in Matthew 13, 22. What's the context of Matthew 13? Parables of our Lord. Look at Matthew 13, 22, And you remember how Jesus taught about the parable of the sower. <coughs> Excuse me. In Matthew 13, he said, verse 18: "Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that receiveth the seed in the stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it; yet hath he not root in himself, dureth for a while. Notice these con- these ideas of continuing in." Because Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John taught the same things. Even though Romans through Jude emphasized answering that question, what must I do to remain safe? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John addressed the answer also. Think about Matthew 10. Who's going to be saved? He that endureth to the end. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth, endureth to the end shall be saved, Matthew 10, 22. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, Matthew 16, 24. Here in Matthew 13, he's telling, he's giving them an illustration saying, there are going to be people who are, here, who are going to hear the truth. He that received the seed in his stony places, same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. But that's not where our word is that we're looking for this evening. Verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. All right. He's heard the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Things came into his life and they persuaded him to follow other pathways. They persuaded him just simply not to follow the one true pathway to heaven. The one true pathway of faithful obedience to God. Something else came in. Something else came took priority, something else deceived the hearer into leaving God behind. The deceitfulness of riches. Take a look at Hebrews chapter three. You remember the context of Hebrews as uh, Russ was pointing out earlier, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Hebrews two, one, you know how in Hebrews three, Beginning in verses 17 and 19, he says, But with whom was he grieved? Was it not with him that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? He was talking about how even in the wilderness, in the 40 years wandering in the wilderness, Israel, that generation died off in the wilderness, those that were over uh, 20, except for Caleb and Joshua, they, were, they died off in the wilderness because of their unbelief. With whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Well, look at verse 12. As he's giving them this illustration, giving them this reminder, look at verse 12. He says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, in departing from the living God and then verse 13 but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin Jesus said the deceitfulness of riches the Hebrews writer here says the deceitfulness of sin and Paul in second Thessalonians said, deceivableness of unrighteousness, the deceitfulness of unrighteousness. So we were looking at the identity of the damned, those who will fall prey, fall victim to this apostasy. They wouldn't believe the truth. They were deceived by unrighteousness. But notice why, verse 10, they, they received not the love of the truth. They didn't have a love for the truth when they received it. They received not the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this, go, this cause God shall send them strong delusion. They wouldn't take the truth and so a lie was allowed to be preached to them, to be presented to them and it took the void. It filled the void, if you will, because you see they, they had the truth in front of them and it was of no matter, so they let it go. And something came and filled the void, and they accepted it. In fact, they believed the lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but noticed this, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Where was their pleasure? They didn't love the truth, verse 10. They had pleasure in unrighteousness. The deceivableness of unrighteousness, unrighteousness. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the investment to sin has a great power to deceive. And that's what happened in this apostasy. He's telling them stand fast and hold the tradition. We have been taught, whether by word or our epistle, because the second coming at that last day, there's going to be a great divider because of this apostasy. There's uh, there's error coming. There's sin coming. That's going to cause many to be lost. You and I face the same kind of thing every day. There's error all around us. Jesus said the same thing. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Matthew 7:15. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Matthew 7 15 and 16. <clears throat> and that's why he had said in verses 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and to many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. So he told them to stand fast and hold the traditions because of the second coming. Stand fast and hold their traditions because of this coming apostasy. But then finally, stand fast and hold their traditions because of disorderly brethren. Ah, no such thing, right? Uh, There is. There wasn't Thessalonica. There wasn't Thessalonica. Disorderly brethren. But then there are those folks who tell me that, well, you can't fall away once you obey the truth. Well, well, then what's a disorderly brother? I don't know what it is if he can't fall away. I don't know what it is if I'm supposed to withdraw from it. If it's not someone that can fall away. Stand fast and hold the traditions because of disorderly brethren. Chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you, there's that idea of, st- of, of making them stable, and keep you from evil, and we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Notice how he's directing their attention, thinking about the love of God, thinking about the waiting for Christ. In other words, Christ is coming. Be thinking of his coming. Be thinking of what that means. Be thinking of how he died for us. Be thinking of how we've changed our lives to live a new way as we wait for him. The Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. <clears throat> Again, just like in the first two instances, the truth is the determining factor. It's the dividing line. The truth is the difference between the saved and lost at the second coming. The truth is the difference between those who will persevere and weather the storm of the coming apostasy and those who won't. The truth is the difference between those who are to be withdrawn from and those who are to do the withdrawing it's the difference it's always the dividing line it's always the deciding factor just like from russ's lesson first thessalonians 5 21 prove all things hold fast that which is good test everything and only hold that which is good only hold that which passes the test Jesus said, judge righteous judgment, John seven twenty four. Jesus said, beware of false prophets. ye shall know them by their fruits, Matthew 7, 15 to 20. And he said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, Matthew 7, 21. And he said in verse 10 <clears throat> He said that for even when we were with you this we commanded you that if any would not work neither should he eat for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly working not at all but are busybodies You know it's interesting isn't it Some of them weren't working they had just stopped working Ecclesiastes 9:10 says whatsoever thy hand finds to do do it with all thy might 1 Timothy 5.8 says that if a man won't provide for his own, and in that context, it would even include uh, widows in his his, uh, extended family, if he wouldn't provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel. Well, if I don't work, I can't provide for my own. I'm worse than an infidel. Here, they had just stopped working, and they had become busybodies. Whatever their thought was about the second coming or how, as he had told them, Don't be soon shaken in mind, chapter 2, verse 1, as that the day of Christ is at hand, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You know, he didn't tell them what day the Lord was coming. He didn't say, he didn't give them a day to look for. But they had stopped working. They still didn't know when the the Lord was going to come again. 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord so so cometh as a thief in the night. But yet, some new thing had come up, and that's what happens. A new thing comes up, and people fall in line with it. Well, we just better stop working. Why? Because we just, I mean, the Lord's coming. So we should stop working. But why? (laughs) The Lord's coming is just what we're doing now. That's what people are doing now. You ever heard of a new doctrine come up and people start doing something different? This is that. Oh, we're going to do something different now. Why? Because the Lord's coming. Okay, well, we've known for, since we obeyed the gospel that the Lord was coming. Why are we stopping working? Where does that come in line? It doesn't. He told them, be not weary in well-doing. They were to continue walking the line that they had been walking. They were to continue providing for their own. They were to continue working. They were to continue doing the good things in service to God and not to be weary in well-doing, verse 13. But notice in verse 14 what they were to do with those who who were going to choose to be disobedient. And if any man obey not our word, by this epistle, notice that, obey not our word by this epistle. Note that man, have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. It's very specific, It's, it's not easy either. But he says, if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, mark him, in other words, Call him out, you and I might say. Specify him, you and I might say. Note that man and have no company with him. That why? That he may be ashamed. So he can repent, you want him to repent. But verse 15, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. In other words, keep trying to teach him, keep trying to influence and encourage him, but have no company with him, but admonish him as a brother. Admonish, you. stand fast and hold the traditions which you, have been taught, which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle, put the stake down and hold the that idea of the crate, hold the traditions, the proper teachings because of the second coming, because of apostasy and error, because of disorderly brethren. And remember how he started in this how we how we started this lesson in looking at this text, verses 13 and following of chapter 2. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit <clears throat> and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. You see, the gospel's been sent out. Jesus came, the Lamb of God came, and sacrificed himself, paying the price for man's sin. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, John 1.29. That Lamb is the word of God, John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. That lamb is the one that was crucified on the cross. The one that said, it is finished, John 19:30. In other words, the will of God had been fulfilled. The scheme of redemption had come to fruition. He had paid the price. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Hebrews 2.14. So you think about Jesus as he's about to leave this earth. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Mark sixteen fifteen and 16. Very simple. Very straightforward very plain. The gospel is made for the salvation of man and the damned are those who will not follow. Stand fast therefore and hold the traditions. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ why not tonight? If you have and have fallen away, why not make it right before it's too late? We can help you. Please come while we stand and while we sing.